Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gazpacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where CSAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Today, my friends, is like one of the first times I think I've understood why people like talking about sports the day after they happen. I feel very like I want to analyze the plays and the outcomes and draft some players after last night's primaries. And I was saying to Sammy yesterday, I think it's because it's all ladies, so maybe I relate to it more. It feels like more gamified to me. What do you think? Not just ladies, but ladies who we know um, and are and have some significance in it, the conversations that we're having every day on this very podcast. I have to call them ladies for me to feel okay making fun of them because I'm like, I can't possibly make fun of women. <laughs> they are ladies. Where are the ladies? Where are the ladies? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they would they would self-identify as ladies, I think. So it's definitely what they're leaning into. But last night, of course, was ladies' night and the midterm primary elections. Not to say that there haven't been a large concentration of women throughout this primary season, but just very pronounced because we're pretty familiar with this, this cast of characters. So let's assess our hangover. Liz Cheney, I would say without a doubt, is feeling it the most. She definitely did like switched up her liquors, <laughs> went too late and didn't drink any water. No, but I, I will just say this is sort of like the ultimate girls trip of primary nights. <laughs> that's why it's so interesting. Yes, that's what it is. We're working like, with a lot of un- mm-hmm. deeply flawed people. There's no heroes on, Absolutely not. on primary ultimate girls trip. Yeah, they're not quite all stars. They are... They're just there. They're, just They're the there. ex-wives, but the the, the new competing. GOP will call them. Yeah. <laughs> They're really competing to to stay with their man against, you know, some some young hot new things. But Liz like Cheney. When Roni split into to regular and legacy or, or to new Roni and Exactly. That's what this is. Exactly. This is MAGA. why the Republican oh. Party is just like the real housewives of New York. In this essay, I will tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Liz Cheney outcomes. I mean, we knew this was going to happen, but was there anything from last night or, you know, the aftershocks this morning that surprised you? What are you thinking about? Like, what's what's she going to do next? Uh, No, I I have a, a deep dislike of Liz Cheney. And so I kind of don't care because she's a terrible person. Um. And she and her dad are both responsible for creating Donald Trump. And now they want credit for like trying to destroy the monster that they very clearly lead us, like lead the path for. And so I'm just kind of like, I don't necessarily, I'm not like happy because I mean, obviously I would prefer candidates who didn't believe that you can overturn an election via a mob. Um, 
but uh, at the same time, it's kind of like she also voted. She she's also been against the Voting Rights Act. So she did vote with Trump ninety percent of the time before. Feel bad. (laughs) And she also sent out the terrible thing about like uh, when Dobbs came down. She was like, "This is great," and I was like, "Oh right." You continue being an awful human in literally every other way. I mean, but to be fair, as people in a democracy, why wouldn't we root for the candidate in the Republican primary who, well, I guess in this case, it's a nonpartisan primary, but why wouldn't we root for the person more likely to cast a vote against something terrible happening for our democracy? I mean, root for them is a very strong term. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Ultimately, I feel like like it doesn't really matter because we're just sitting here, sort of parsing our own feelings about it. It really is not relevant as much as what it means for the future is relevant, which is that she got kicked out of her seat because she refuses to lie about the election. And now we'll see what she's going to do with that extra Mm -hmm. spare time she has. And I feel that it will not be something that the Republican Party and Donald Trump will come to be happy about. And I, I am rooting for her in that way, because ultimately the Republican Party does need to be marginalized. And if I'm happy to weaponize her to do that, just as I was happy to weaponize the Lincoln Project to make sure Joe Biden was elected. It's a, it's a situation where you have a lot of non-ideal choices. The, the status of the government and, and the political situation has deteriorated so far beyond the norm that like, ultimately this is the only reason Liz Cheney's up for conversation so much is because of how bad the situation is. And like, Obviously, we compl- I completely disagree with like most of Liz Cheney's career up until this one thing. Yes, great. I'm really proud of her for doing this one thing. It shows she has integrity up to a certain point that a lot of people didn't have it. And that is good. Okay, now we should move on from her and solve the, the other issue. I will start speaking more positively about Liz Cheney if... Instead of trying to, because I, I think in a lot of ways, a lot of the Republican efforts, a lot of the even Republican principles or whatever are really about reclaiming, like trying to save the party, trying to save all of these things that they have tied, all these horrific policy positions that they have tied to anti-democratic efforts because they can't win majority votes. This is just true. Like if you start listing out the actual policies, people don't want them. They don't agree with them. They don't like if you if you separate them from the from the the history of the party. There's nothing there. They can't win. But she, in some ways, she's trying to like save that with like, oh well, we can be anti democratic up to a point because let's not forget again, her dad was VP on a ticket that stole an election. It was just taken by the Supreme Court. I'm still never going to forgive them for 2000 or 2016. And she was fine with election interference because she was fine with Trump trying to extort Ukraine for dirt as well. She was against that impeachment. She's, she's again, not pro-democracy in, in the real sense. But I will be okay if she decides that she is going to destroy the party 
Because honestly, at this point, it needs to be salted. Like we need to raise it to the ground, salt the earth where it lay, like no more of this because it's just, it's out of control. And if she uses where she, I mean, if there's someone who knows where all the bodies are buried, it is Liz Cheney. Okay. <laughs> she turns around, she starts handing people in. It's like, you've got nothing left to win from this party. They, they are never going to give you anything back. They have denied you. They have abandoned you. You are, there's never going to be a return. Help us destroy them. And maybe we will forgive you. She seems, that's interesting. Yeah, she seems very oriented towards destroying Trump and not willing to abandon. So one, one um, direct quote is from after she lost last night. I think she said this this morning. Was I'm not sure. She called Trump a very grave threat and risk to our republic. And she added that defeating him will require, quote, a broad and united front of Republicans, Democrats, and independents. And that's what I intend to be to be a part of. So, you know, as you said, there's nothing in there. Like, I feel like she has said before, like, it's a shame the direction my party has gone, but she didn't specify like pro-democracy Republicans, Republicans who believe in this. She's just sort of like, whichever ones came up just to the line with me. I think that trying to murder people <laughs> to overthrow an election is just not good. But if you don't murder people, but <laughs> try to steal an election, we are fine. It's like, right. I don't know if that's an appropriate line, though. But that's just me, you know. I believe in democracy. I think that is an accurate assessment of what what she stands for. Um, frankly, she's like, I won't get killed at my workplace, but um, <laughs> but you guys go ahead. If right, the courts right. say it's okay, <laughs> that's really sure. But at the same time, my feeling is like. She's only in the conversation because we continue to keep her in the conversation. And because mm. we're the ones sitting here analyzing her, you know. But I, I also think it is sort of a symptom of the Democrats and just generally liberal sort of tendency to like seek a savior and to, you know, put all their faith in mm. one person who's gonna fix it and they're, you know then you have to like lionize them and you know, then everyone has to give their takes on why they're like this good or that good. And it's like, so, and it's just so not actually relevant to the structural problems that need to be fixed. But I do think that it, I, I kind of think it depends what happens in Liz Cheney's personal life in some ways, like, because mm -hmm. the degree to which she decides to pursue accountability outside of Trump and who else she, it touches that remains to be seen. And I think that will, like you said, that will ultimately be what, what matters. Yeah. So you guys think she has like information and ammunition that she has not used on the January 6th committee that she might use after when she's no longer in Congress. Of course, everything that we know, just assume that there's exponentially more things to be known behind that. And you think, Caitlin, do you think that she's only going to reveal as much that will hurt Trump and hold back what will hurt her party? Like, I think that's what I'm thinking about is like, is Liz Cheney done with the Republican Party? And that's what you've made me think about more, Caitlin, is like, does she want, is she like, my party is tarnished, I need to start something new? Or is she still like trying to drag them along and trying to protect? She's protect, trying to protect like, everybody. These, I yeah. mean, who couldn't? I mean, she's a legacy all the way. I mean, her dad worked for Nixon. 
again, just the, the criminality just it, yeah. you can do this all day. You know, <laughs> I'm like the political version of Captain America. I can do this all day. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, like, she's a, a political legacy in the truest sense of the word. And so it's very hard. I mean, I don't want to, it's hard because, you know, I'm lucky in the sense that I'm, as a black American, I don't have to do a lot of complicated feeling searching, you know, like search my feelings and introspection about like where my history is in this country and like what I'm, what I owe, um, for, for the damage that's been done. I, I mostly have to worry about like imperialism, but she has to really kind of deconstruct her entire existence because that's like multiple generations of having contributed to like this monstrous thing that ended in like, you know, a fascist push. So now she's got to kind of ask herself, like, what is the line? And she said clearly that her line is like, she's willing to lose an election to stop Donald Trump once he tried to murder her. But (laughs) I think then the question is like, if, is Don? How did Donald? How is Donald Trump succeeding? Because it's not him alone. Just like you know the story about the emperor's new clothes. Like it, we we always focus on the emperor and how ridiculous he is. But like his advisors were telling him that the clothes were gorgeous and that yeah. absolutely they were fantastic. And like he's just walking around naked. And they're like, oh yes, you look amazing. And it's like if you don't have people reflecting that stuff back at you and supporting you and telling you and supporting that delusion you're not going to get very far. So she's got to ask if she's willing to start knocking down the pegs around that are structurally supporting Donald Trump, or if she's just going to wait for the indictments to take care of it. (laughs) She might be doing that, but I'm ever, I mean, there are no pegs that are the only non pegs are her and Adam Kinzinger. So, you know, what, what does that say? It's, it's Mm -hmm. so, is it that difficult to turn around and say, this isn't worth it? Even the people who are retiring, can't they speak out? What's what's happening there? That's why I feel like there has to be so much more that just we're not aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there are enough never-Trump Republicans to like, take over one of those like Baskin-Robbins, Do- uh, Dunkin' Donuts like overlapping spaces. Like I don't think they could like overwhelm one of those right now. <laughs> I mean, not at this point. I mean, the, the woman that defeated uh, Liz Cheney used to be a never Trumper. She was part of an effort to like block his nomination at the convention and said that he was like a very, she said a quote, a very grave threat and risk to our Republic. And uh, her name's, her name's, what's her name? Harriet. Harriet. Thank you. She, um she won last night by a landslide and she now, she now encourages Trump's claims that the election was rigged. She says he was the greatest president of all time. There was, there is a Democrat running for Congress in Wyoming, of course. Uh, her name is, uh, I think it's, oh, it's her name is Lynette Graybull, Graybull. So she is uh, uh, native in Wyoming. And, you know, there are Democrats, there are Democrats in Wyoming. <laughs> She's mean, on yeah. the ballot. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of Democrats did, did vote for Cheney. So, It'll be interesting to see what the ultimate like general election breakdown is. If there are, you know, pro, like if there are, you know, the Democrats that voted or excuse me, the Republicans that voted for Cheney, if they also turn out for Democrats, I'm not sure. Like you said, Caitlin, they're Republicans. They're not going to vote against all of their every single interest except for one. It's unlikely. 
Yeah, I mean, deep down, it, it's like their priority list is really fucked, and and sadly, that means that it's not important enough. Like, they're not willing to sacrifice anything really to, and like the party needs to be sacrificed. So you know, the if it takes like, what does it take to stop Trump? It's like everything that you put in to making him what he is. Like you can't you can't unmake something like these. This is a, just lots of physics and laws of politics are very similar. You know, that equal and opposite reaction thing. Like, if you want to stop Trump, you're going to have to put in every bit of effort that was done in creating him. And that will destroy the party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not my problem. I'm a Democrat. So, you know, you guys have fun with that. But like, <laughs> from my perspective, yeah, like I, I've been saying for, you know, the last since forever, we're destroy the Republican Party because it needs, that's the only way. You know, it's the only path I see. Um, but I don't know if Liz Cheney has the has the uh, gonadult fortitude for that. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. So let's pivot to a highly consequential race in Alaska today. Two races, actually. Senator Lisa Murkowski proved herself popular among Alaskans yesterday in a matchup with 18 challengers. She was one of seven Republican senators to vote to convict Trump in his second impeachment, but she was the only one doing so who was up this cycle, so theoretically, by some metrics, was taking the biggest risk. Despite her rejection of Trumpism, she sailed ahead to the general election. Right now, she's she's in first in that race. And rather than a partisan primary, the top four vote-getters from any 
party advance. So this definitely benefited her. Like I said, it looks like she's a she's a cup she's four points ahead right now with her main rival who had a Trump endorsement, a woman named Kelly Shabaka. Right now Murkowski has 44% of the vote and Shabaka has 40%. So they will both move forward in that in that general election. Any surprises there? I mean, I think I saw some surprises that she you know, four points isn't crazy, but I guess people thought maybe it would be even narrow, narrower there. This is a woman who successfully led a write-in campaign. Uh, you know, you once you've done that, you pretty much, like, I would have been more surprised if she'd been And her, name's, her name's not Lisa Smith. <laughs> so say, uh, she's another political <laughs> legacy. Uh, you really can't stop these things. Um, she's another political legacy, so her name is well-known, but at the same time, this is still an extremely, I mean, it's just extremely impressive. You know, what she wrote, succeeding at a writing campaign is like completely nutty. And now that she has um, ranked choice, that really, that's, that's a tremendous amount of protection. So, you know, I guess good for Lisa Murkowski because, you know, no one else is going to, yeah, you know, you're like, you're kind of like, okay, well, that's the best we're going to get. It is Alaska. Yeah, I mean, without personally knowing much about Alaska electoral politics, I think Lisa Murkowski is a compelling person. And um, you can see that without having to really, you know, be that up close to it. So it, it's unsurprising, I would say. You can just imagine like a lot of like, you know, middle-aged and older, like Alaska women being like, oh, I just love her, you know, cause she's, yeah, she's a conservative, but she is a pro abortion rights conservative. So it definitely makes me feel a little like, looks like she, like Caitlin said, ranked choice will tremendously benefit her. I think because surely I think a lot of likely Democrats will put her second maybe, or I guess if it's, yeah. So she's probably going to have no issues there. And then, you know, she's in favor of a lot of abortion rights protection. She's just not in favor of ending the filibuster. So certainly, certainly feel positively that it looks like we're definitely going to have a, keep a pro-choice Republican in the Senate. Because I was worried. Maybe we could get her to shift on the filibuster for abortion rights, maybe voting rights. Especially like- when she wins. Yeah. I mean, if she wins and she does well and she feels like she has a mandate and then she has six years ahead of her before, you know do it. That would be dumb not to. Right. Like there's other levers and maybe we can try that one. Mm -hmm. Convincing her. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she has the bill with Susan Collins. It's just, you know, not really going to, going to go anywhere. Finally, Mrs. Palin. (laughs) She was on the ballot twice yesterday and we have answers on one of those outcomes and we're still waiting on the other. Alaska has one congressional seat until we all move there and give them another one. (laughs) One was... Not (laughs) It's really far. Yeah. One was, I think also people get people that move there that aren't native to there, like not natives, but like that haven't lived there their whole life get very depressed. Like it can be, it can be tough. Yeah. The light thing, not great. Yeah. The light situation is challenging and you're just so like far from, it's just hard to get anywhere else. Anyway, Sarah Palin is perfectly fine there. (laughs) She can see Russia from her house. (laughs) So yesterday, these two races, one was a normal primary election for Congress to sit in that seat for the term beginning in 2023. So this person would win in November and then enter Congress in January. But the person who held that single seat was Don Young, who died. So there was also a special election to finish up the current term through the end of this year. That was his term. 
Sarah Palin has advanced in the primary to serve a full term in Congress. So voters will have a chance to send her to Congress for a full term in November. We do yet, not yet know whether she was elected to finish out the current term and get sworn in you know, fairly quickly. I already said this to Sammy, but to imagine Nancy Pelosi swearing in Sarah Palin is something that that brings me like physical pain. I'm sure not as much as it brings her. <laughs> Truly. I mean, I'm almost just like, just do it after Republicans take the House. Make Kevin McCarthy do it. No, Caitlin, I know, I know, I know. We were going to maybe talk today about how there's some optimism there, but even more important reason to keep the House. But um, yeah, so we don't know if she's going to keep that seat now, get that seat now, because this was Alaska. It took me a minute to figure this out, but. In their general elections, they're doing ranked choice. The primary is like top four vote-getters. This was a primary-timed general election. So this is a ranked choice one. Long story short, it's going to take a minute to figure out because, you know, they have to count the ballot, tally it up, tally up who got second. So we do not yet know if she won that. But I have a chart in here, and I think she is in the lead. Oh, no, she's not. She's not. The, a Democrat is in the lead. Yes, the Democrat is Mary Peltola. She is a Native woman from Alaska. She is so cool. And she was definitely buoyed by the state's Native voters who make up 15% of the population. So right now, as we're talking, midday on Wednesday, Mary Peltola is at 38% and Sarah Palin is at 32%. Goodness. And and I think Peltola would also, yeah, she's also running uh, to represent the district permanently. And she sailed ahead. She's ahead in that one too. So that's kind of interesting. I think maybe a good a good campaign for taking the house could be the a photoshopped image of Sarah Palin Girl, being that's sworn so in by Nancy Pelosi. Like, do you want this? Do you want this? Or do you want the first Native woman from Alaska serving in Congress? Like, right? Th- when those are your options, it's like Come. an expectation reality meme. DNC, get yeah. at us. <laughs> Yeah, so reactions to that. I just think none of us want Sarah Palin in Congress, but um, it seems like she kind of underperformed yesterday. Would you Would you say so? Well, the question is, as somebody who like dropped out halfway through her term for serving as governor, how, how many votes would Falling you expect her to favor? get? <laughs> so I would yeah. expect her to have, I think that this is frankly an overperformance. I'm a little bit worried about where gotcha. Alaska Republicans are. At the same time, Begich is another political legacy. Really, Alaska is just a bunch of like the same seven families just running shit forever. Um, apparently. But, <laughs> you know, it's which is why it's so important to switch it up. Totola, you heard it here. Anyway, um, <laughs> the point is, is that like, I think that it's like distressing that she's back into politics after everything that's happened. <laughs> and we should just, yeah. I, I don't know, I'm it's like she she came before Trump. Now she's after Trump. I, I I'm just feeling very. And she kind about of it. you so know. Palin a lot of people say she created you know the the kind of landscape that allowed for Trump to succeed. That sort of like proud ineptitude. <laughs> John McCain still has so much to answer for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if this were like a sculpture of a human, the Republican Party. Sarah Palin chiseled the face. Like she made it into this like clownish. She made it, she lowered everyone's expectation that you wouldn't really see like a total clown show in your politics. Like George Bush, maybe like a small amount, but not nearly to the same extent as Sarah Palin ultimately did. 
Yeah. Well, hopefully she will pay for that. Interestingly, she will not even be able to rely on votes from her in-laws. Sarah Palin's former in-laws threw a massive pre-election night party honoring the former governor's top Republican challenger for Alaska's only seat in the House of Representatives. This guy, he's kind of like a legacy person too. He's running as a Republican. Um, his name's Nick Begich and he, the third, his dad was a Democratic representative and he is running as a Republican. So, and her in-laws threw him a party. I just, I just want to never see her sworn in. That's like me, me. I just really feel like she, she had her shot at public service, which is technically what government positions are. Like that's, that's what it is. Right. She's like the female, like her and Eric Greitens. It's like you failed miserably and you were corrupt and you're just gonna, just gonna give it another go. Just gonna give it another go. I mean, imagine if like Anthony Weiner announced a run. Oh, don't tell, like, don't give him an idea. <laughs> <laughs> he will try. <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised he hasn't entered New York 10 at New this York point. 10. I was about to say, I'm surprised he doesn't live in the district. He wasn't, he still wanted to stay in the same, same building with Huma. Exactly. Oh, yeah, he does. He's the, They're downtown people. They're downtown That's people. That's awkward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we will definitely be probably... Oh, we're not going to have you to talk about that next Wednesday, Caitlin, because I, I think you're out for your birthday, but we'll we'll debrief from the New York ones, too. I can't watch anything without seeing an ad now. It's so annoying. I don't know how I had been spared it before. I... I mean, and then I think to myself all the time, how do people in swing states deal with this shit? Like, I know. Like, because... We could liberate you all from this. We could all be free if you just ended the electoral college. You know, they like never the attention. again being just with this stuff because it's I hope exhausting. They get better ads. Ours are so throwaway. There's like, this is my job. I'd love to keep this job. Please rehire me on this date. Don't forget, if you're old, call my office. We'll help you. Oh my god. <laughs> That's what it should be. That's like really, yeah, really what it should be. <laughs> That is our sports center ladies night debrief for today. We will be back tomorrow until the end of democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betcha Sub Podcast. Bye. The Betcha Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.